This podcast is made possible by thousands of dedicated listeners just like you. Be a part of this powerful three-decade legacy of evangelization by visiting materdayradio.com or downloading the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for joining us on the bridge between your faith and everyday life. Welcome to Sunday Commentary, a weekly program designed to break open the Sunday Scripture readings. Join us as we listen to God's Word and seek to grow in our love and understanding for the good news in our lives. And now, Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman. The Liturgical Scripture Readings for the Second Sunday of Lent A reading from the book of Genesis. God put Abraham to the test. He called to him, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Then God said, Take your son Isaac, your only one whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. There you shall offer him up as a holocaust on a height that I will point out to you. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. Then he reached out and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the Lord's messenger called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he answered. Do not lay a hand on the boy, said the messenger. Do not do the least thing to him. I know now how devoted you are to God, since you did not withhold from me your own beloved son. As Abraham looked about, he spied a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he went and took the ram and offered it up as a holocaust in place of his son. Again, the Lord's messenger called to Abraham from heaven and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you acted as you did in not withholding from me your beloved son, I will bless you abundantly and make your descendants as countless as the stars of the sky and the sands of the seashore. Your descendants shall take possession of the gates of their enemies, and in your descendants all the nations of the earth shall find blessing. All this because you obeyed my command. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Responsorial Psalm I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To you will I offer sacrifice of thanksgiving, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, if God is for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but handed him over for us all. How will he not also give us everything else along with him? Who will bring a charge against God's chosen ones? It is God who acquits us. Who will condemn? Christ Jesus, it is who died, or rather was raised, who also is at the right hand of God, will indeed intercede for us. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus took Peter, 
James, and John, and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no folder on earth could bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them. From the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, he charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. Carla, on this second Sunday of Lent, we're going to get into the covenant with Abraham very soon. But before we do that, I want to point out a very interesting saint day that we have coming up on February 27th. So it, I looked at the calendar and it said St. Gregory of Narek. And I'm like, oh, is that the same as St. Gregory the Great? Or do they have a different name? And it is not. So this is very interesting. On April 12th of 2015, Pope Francis officially proclaimed St. Gregory of Narek a doctor of the church, bringing the number of saints honored with this title to 36. So this is a big deal. He's a new doctor of the church, what, eight years ago or so, eight, nine years ago. And to be recognized as a doctor of the church, you have to meet three criteria, that there's some sort of eminent learning or outstanding scholarly achievement, a high degree of sanctity, and then, of course, ultimately a proclamation by the church. Now, St. Gregory of Narek lived and died as a member of the Armenian Apostolic Church. Uh, tradition holds that that church originated from the missions of Bartholomew and Thaddeus. And he lived somewhere between 940 and 951, which is modern-day Turkey. And his fame rests upon the writings he called the Book of Lamentations, which is a collection of 95 prayers he completed shortly before his death. And um, this is also, this saint is also mentioned in the Catechism of the Catholic Church in paragraph 2678, where his hymns to Mary are praised. So very interesting. Yeah, it is. I, it was a lot. So I would say, mm -hmm. Gregory of Narek, please, um, you know, look him up this week. It would be a wonderful learning. It certainly yeah. was a great, great new thing, especially it's such a new doctor of the church. Yeah, agreed. Well, with our readings today, we again are talking about the covenant of Abraham. Remember, Abraham was not able to have children through Sarah until there was a miraculous intervention. But before then, uh, with uh, Hagar, uh, he had Ishmael, con concubine Hagar, had Ishmael. That, of course, is the lineage of the Muslims. 
And then he received a miraculous conception, maybe not miraculous conception, but Sarah had a child at her very old age. And of course, that was Isaac and the Jews. So, you know, we have this lineage through Abraham. Of course, there's family quarrels that resulted for (laughs) throughout the millennia to today's time. But today we read about Abraham and Isaac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This account is going to, is, is about how God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Now, I was looking around and I found this really interesting piece. It's by Jeff Cavins, and it is published on the Ascension Press website, and it's under the title, Uncovering God's Character, Why God Asked Abraham to Sacrifice Isaac. And this, I just found this so interesting. Now, if you don't know the history, Kevin gave us a little bit about uh, the history of Abraham and and Hagar and and Sarah. You've got some catch-up reading to do before uh, much of this will make sense. Anyway, like you said, Kevin, it is really a, a dramatic unfolding of events, and it is well worth the time to grasp a better understanding of the history of God's people. Now, Jeff goes on, he explains how the story of Hagar and Ishmael parallel the story of Abraham and Isaac. And I was going, wow, I've never heard this before. Okay. So I I kept reading and, and Jeff explains how Abraham sent Ishmael and Hagar into the desert with only bread and water. And he did this because after Sarah had given birth to Isaac, uh, and uh, Ishmael then was then a threat to the inheritance status of Isaac, who was born of Sarah, Abraham's wife. I hope you're following me. <laughs> okay. And for all that Abraham knew at this point in time, um, after Hagar and Ishmael wandered off into the desert, they probably had both died after their meager provisions had were depleted because they, I mean, they had bread and water and that was it. He figured they were long since dead. Well, Jeff further explains that God directed Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac as a burnt offering. And here's where it gets interesting. The ancient Israelites understood that burnt offerings were sacrifices that were made for atonement. Context is everything. This understanding makes a clear implication that atonement was required of Abraham for sending Ishmael to perish in the desert, and the atonement would be the sacrifice of his son Isaac. Jeff writes that when Hagar took her son into the desert, she believed that they would both die, and the same for Abraham. He also believed that his son would soon be dead. For Hagar, God sent an angel to lead her to a well, and she and her son were saved. And for Abraham, an angel showed him a ram to be burnt as sacrifice in place of Isaac. And Jeff suggests that this was justice, in that God allowed Abraham to experience what Hagar experienced. Both parents believed that their children were on the brink of death, and yet God spared the lives of both of Abraham's sons. Now, to find this article that I'm citing, go to the Ascension Press website, click on Free Media, and then use the drop-down to find articles, and then search Why God Asked Abraham. That will bring up the article that's called Uncovering God's Character, Why God Asked Abraham to Sacrifice Isaac. That is amazing. 
<laughs> I thought incredibly so. deep. So I am going to go ahead and search that. I actually did that while you were uh, just before recording. Yeah. And that, that search does work. And I'm going to read that. So it's, thank it's, you for that. That is amazingly deep and brings such a life to that. It certainly does. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and move to the second reading. This is from the letter of St. Paul to the Romans. And, and I have to admit, <laughs> I read this line, if God is for us, who could be against us? And I actually, I have to admit, I kind of scoffed like, well, like everybody <laughs> in this world today, I think the whole world is against the, the Christians. <laughs> I mean, we are living in an increasingly godless, hedonistic society. So it seems like Everyone is against us. So what does he mean by this? So I spent some time praying and studying about this. And I really think, as opposed to a comment, looking at this from a comment standpoint, I think this needs to be looked at more from the perspective of a court case. So if you think about the court case, if God, the giver of truth, is the judge, and we are faithfully living God's laws, then who can bring a valid charge against us? And if that is, the answer to that is, as long as we're living as a faithful Christian follower of Jesus Christ, the answer is no one. That's, no one can bring a valid charge against us. That's, I think, the big the big key to interpret this second reading, how important that is. So someone might be against us because they don't like it, but it's not anything specifically because we're, we're going against something or doing Exactly. Wrong. There's yes. no charge of... of you know, impropriety right. or no, no, I, from that court case sense name. Yeah. 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 Good yeah, very point. True. That's, I, I like that. I there's like a very that important take. distinction yeah. there. That's yeah. important. Yeah. yeah. And and we are, you know, we're, we thankfully have a divine and spiritual realm and a reality that's around us that does protect us. And that, that kind of led to the gospel here. So Carla, you know, in the past, I have uh, kind of struggled with, we've talked in the past about high mountains and three tenths and the Trinity and all this. And I thought, well, let me kind of try and do something a little different this time, because this is a glimpse of heavenly reality. This is a heav- not only a glimpse of heavenly reality, but divinity and glory, but also protection. And I was wondering if there was another case in the Bible where heavenly protection was given a glimpse in the Old Testament. And I actually found something. So you might remember the prophet Elisha, right? He was the follow on to Elijah. And at the time of Elisha, there was the king of Syria was fighting against Israel. And the king of Syria found out about Elisha and wanted him dead. So it says here in 2 Kings chapter 6, the king of Syria says about Elisha, go and see where he is that I may send and seize him. So by all means, you're going to have this whole army come and capture Elisha, and he's got no protection. What happens, though, is that um, the king sent their uh, horses and chariots and a great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city where Elisha was staying. Now, the servant Elisha got up in the morning, looked around, said the city's surrounded. He then looked with heavenly eyes and said, there's no way that we're not going to be captured and killed. There's nothing I can do here. But what Elisha says is, hey, don't look through heavenly eyes. We need to look with a heavenly reality. So he told his servant, fear not for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And he prayed, please servant, open the eyes of my servant that he may see. The young man opened his eyes and the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha and protecting him. And so that's where we begin. We see this heavenly reality, this spiritual realm that is fighting for us. And in the end, the king of Syria attacked. 
And Elisha prayed that those people may be struck with blindness. They were struck and they were saved. And much like this transfiguration, we see that heavenly glimpse of glory and protection. We see this within Elisha, where he is also protected heavenly. We see it in the mass, this beautiful spiritual realm of mass that is lifting all of our prayers up into heaven. We indeed have that spiritual realm that protects us and how important that is in our daily lives today. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Commentary with Kevin Doran and Carla Wehrman, produced at the studios of Modern Day Radio. For more information about this show, go to moderndayradio.com. That's M-A-T-E-R-D-E-I radio.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider sharing it with a friend. You can support this vital mission of evangelization through materdayradio.com or the Hail Mary media app. And thank you for helping us lead souls to Jesus through the Blessed Virgin Mary.